Welcome everybody to episode three of Stats Don't Matter. This week we're going to talk about the CrossFit CEO and some of his questionable decision making, the ongoing MLB saga, the NBA's approved season and how that's shaping up. We'll also talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook opting to sit out until he gets a new deal, what the free agency running back pool looks like going into the 2021 season. We're going to bring in a new segment this week called Keeper League where Sam and I discuss our top three picks in the upcoming fantasy football season. We're also going to talk about the top five sports movies. Uh, Sam's probably going to be a little disappointed with some of the news I have to share. Uh, we're also going to look at what lies ahead for the various leagues and compare how they've been handling some of these player protests and what we think the future may look like. As always, we'll wrap it up with a couple beers that we think you need to try that we're excited about. Hope you guys enjoy. We look forward to hanging out. Episode three, stats don't matter. Let's go. Tim, you know what time it is. It's time for the fast break. Fast break is the stories in the sports world that we think you need to know. Up first, we got to talk about CrossFit. CrossFit, in case you didn't know, is a sport that makes lifting weights a cool thing to do, a chic thing to do. I'm not really sure. It's like it's a lot of Olympic-style lifts, cardio, some weird workouts <laughs> that are kind of like masochistic in nature, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a cultural phenomenon. Some people call it a cult. I don't necessarily know if we want to go that far. Uh, I have my thoughts about it, right? But they've been in the news a lot uh, within the last 48 hours, and that is due to the fact that they were dropped by Reebok, which is their apparel sponsor, after the CEO uh, of CrossFit, Greg Glassman, said on a conference call that in regards to what's going on in Minneapolis that no one here is mourning George Floyd. Um, on, he said that on a Zoom call, and he tweeted Floyd 19 and other misplaced thoughts in response to a World Metrics tweet about um, COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter, uh, and that was from footwearnews.com. And he also responded to a Minnesota CrossFit's like affiliate email in which he was like, are we going to respond because this is the white thing to do, or do you actually have a reason why we should re respond to this? So naturally, yes. of course – uh, this is what I think we could call the Papa John's of the sporting world. Yeah. You know what I mean? These things continue to come back up um, and they started losing sponsorships left and right. Now, some of the top CrossFit athletes like Rich Froning, Rich Froning who is a four-time CrossFit champion, Annie Thor's daughter, who's the first ever female CrossFit champion and a four-time finalist, and even Katrina Davis' daughter, who's a two-time CrossFit champion. They all spoke out against Glassman's messaging and CrossFit you know, had not released a statement about the Black Lives Matter movement, though it had come under fire for posting questionable things, you know, during this coronavirus pandemic, like they had a meme that they kind of boosted. It said, flatten the coronavirus curves, you know, like come to your local CrossFit gym. Uh, you could say that Reebok arguably legitimized CrossFit because it is the sole apparel face of the sport. And, you know, 2020 was the last year of, of the CrossFit contract. So this is a real big loss for the sport and it's not in a good way. Now, of course, Glassman did make a public apology today in which he stated that I, CrossFit headquarters and the CrossFit community will not stand for racism. I made a mistake by the words I chose yesterday. My heart is deeply saddened by the pain it has caused. It was, it was a mistake, not racist, but a mistake, end quote. Mm. Talk about some weak sauce, but we're moving on. Uh, Tim? It, it, seemed, it seems to be very much the general canned response that comes from anybody who says anything that is blatantly racist or you know at worst controversial oh sorry i made a mistake how did you not even think of that beforehand which means you're probably not really sorry like I, yeah people change mm -hmm. 
you see Drew Brees, it's a whole different conversation for another day. Uh, but it all seems to be sort of the same canned response right here. I'm going to see some really bad stuff. And then I'm going to tell you, whoops, I made a mistake. My heart is not that person. You thought it and you said it in the midst. It's not like you said it off the cuff, you know, when the world isn't freaking out. You said it in the midst of you know the riots and the protests and just the anger it's just the dumbest movie you, you probably could have ever made super tone deaf super tone yeah. deaf moving <laughs> on we all know that our favorite soap opera in sports major league baseball the days of our lives it's still going the season is still at an impasse and say it ain't so tim cbs sports reports the things the players union likes about the deal that was extended to them previously to today's updated proposal were some extensive health and safety protocols for player and team personnel, larger rosters with uh, 30-man active and 20-player taxi squad, universal designated hitter regional schedules to reduce travel, right? So the AL East would only play each other and teams in the NL East, expanded playoffs, right, with possible 14 teams in the postseason. Now, to be honest, I think we all know that some baseball is better than no baseball. Bleacher Report had an article about the pros and cons of this, and, and that focused mostly on that shortened season statistics would be skewed, and awards like MVP or Golden Glove may lose some of their flash, right? But we're, one good point they made was that an extra five men on the roster means you're going to get some minor league players called up that could really shake up teams' current yeah. roster plans for the future. Now, the owners today did counterpropose an 89-game schedule that would have the league starting 10 July with playoff baseball at the end of October. However, we don't have enough time in this episode to go ahead – and figure that out. So we're going to go ahead and go to credits and we will see you tomorrow at 1130 for days of our lives in major league baseball. <laughs> Next, we got the NBA, right? The board of governors and the players union agreed to a truncated season. The NBA board of governors approved a competitive format to restart the 2019, 2020 season with 22 teams. Those teams include the Milwaukee bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the heat, the Pacers, the 76ers, the nets, the magic, the Washington wizards from the East. And from the West, we have the Lakers, the Clippers, the nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. So returning to play in a tentative start date of July 31. And of course, the NBA and the Players Union are working with infectious disease specialists, public health experts, and everyone else to get a rigorous testing program to mitigate any risks related to COVID-19, including testing protocols, strange safety practices, and the season restart is contingent on an agreement with Walt Disney to use their resort near Orlando, Florida, as a single site, as a campus for all the games, practices, and mm -hmm. housing for the remainder of the season. And in this approved format, the returning teams, all 22 of them, would play eight. That's not 80. That's not 18. Eight, two less than 10 seeding games before a traditional 16-team conference NBA playoffs with four rounds and a best of seven in each round. If the tentatively scheduled season resumes on July 31st, the NBA draft lottery was scheduled for August 25th and the draft itself will be held on October 15th. And the 2020, 21 regular season would begin on December 1st. Yeah. And if you want a full rundown of those games, NBA.com backslash NBA dash returns dash 2020 dash FAQ. I uh, think it's a terrible idea right now. We are in the midst of talking about player health, player safety, the season itself is already too long, in my opinion. It's one of those that you turn it on and you come back five months later and it's still going. And now you're talking about, one, condensing the season to try and get as many games in as possible, which seems a bit like a money grab. Buy some Disney stock if that's actually what's going to go down. <laughs> They're going to be living out of, out of Disney World. But how do you expect to go 
in a short amount of time and then roll it right into a regular season and not have players opt for load management going into next season. Like oh, how much sure. of this, yeah, how much of this is ultimately going to end up hurting? You know, you have players who are choosing to set out games now because of load management, tack on an extra three months worth of games, two months before your season starts, three months before your season starts. That's just a recipe for disaster. And I think you're ultimately going to end up hurting the product going into next season because you'll have plenty more players yeah, sitting it out the, a little bit. Tim, if if you're like the number one or the number two seed, are you trying to win more than four of these eight games? My my guess is no. Yeah. <laughs> what is the point, right? You pay attention to the rest of the league, right? Yep. Of, of those twenty two teams that are playing. If you go four and zero, and no one else in your division is three and zero, do you yep. really have to, have to try for those last four games? No. So if if you want to do this NBA, just go ahead. Just let's go right to the playoffs, right? Because four rounds of best of seven. I mean, my goodness, that is just gonna that's gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah, and I've actually heard grumblings of players uh, who aren't comfortable coming back to play, right, for any amount of money, putting yourself at risk, your family at risk, being away from your family for that long. So I don't have that. I mean, I know they all agreed to it. I think this season should just get an asterisk, and whoever wins, even if it is the Celtics, you know, maybe we'll reconsider after the season this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think uh, I think any team seven to the Lakers. Just that's what history says. Probably. Uh, I just think they should asterisk the season, call it a loss, move on to planning for next season. Yeah. And of course, the last thing we got to talk about made some big ripples this morning. Tim Dalvin Cook, talk to me about it. Dalvin Cook is opting to sit out training camp and any of the organized trainings, uh, at least for the start of the season, until he gets some sort of reasonable deal. Um, not a bad move. We see it all the time. Sit out. I mean, uh, players, you know, sitting out for training camps and part of the season is becoming sort of the new norm going into the last year or in some cases, two years of your contract just to try and keep yourself healthy while you're getting paid uh, or risk going into the season, getting hurt, and you're losing out on some of that contract money. However, you look at the end of next season, which is when his contract is up, that pool is pretty, pretty deep. You have Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, James Conner, Chris Carson all come up as free agents. You got to ask yourself, is it really worth sitting out, hurting maybe your, you know, everyone's stat heavy, obviously, except for us. Uh, yep, everyone's stat, stat heavy. <laughs> uh, and you you wonder if you come in sort of limping in the beginning or your season isn't as good as you thought it would be because you didn't have the same preparation going into the season. Are they then going to start maybe looking outside and say, okay, of those names I just mentioned, Dalvin Cook isn't even in the top three. He's middle of the pack. Uh, and that's not even all of the running backs that are up at the end of the season. Those are just a few of those eight players. He's ranked sixth overall in yards. Uh, he's ranked fifth in, or fourth in receiving yards. So he's, he's definitely not a bad player. He had a, a superstar season last season. But you got to ask yourself, is, is it worth the risk to sit out or do you continue working on the contract as you play? Yeah, because I, th I think as we've seen, uh, Alexander Madison is obviously there, and the, the team is just going to keep on moving on without him, right? Um, right? And Melvin Gordon took a lot of heat for sitting out as long as he did. And, and of course, now we'll wait to see what he does in Denver, but that's it's always a risky gamble. So 
Yeah. I mean, it is we'll in Minnesota's. It is in Minnesota's best interest. Uh, any game where he, uh, their record in games where he goes with a hundred yards or more, they end up twelve and three. So it's really hard to sort of turn your eye at that. So Minnesota needs to either get things done, or I think he needs to come up with an exit plan. That's just yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be one of the top paid athletes. Um, you know, at his position, right? I mean, you're looking at 1,100 rushing yards, 519 receiving yards, 13 TDs. Like, that's not a production that necessarily Madison could just come up and, and reproduce. So you might have to go committee there or something else. Yep. Uh, and also, he did play hurt for the Vikings. And, and I feel like as an organization, like, you have to give them some credence when they do that for you. They're putting mm-hmm. their body on the line, and you just can't say, well, that's what we expect you to do. No, go ahead, pay up. Give them the most guaranteed money in one year or two years. Yeah, Help them out. Yeah, doing a, one, one of the interesting notes before we move on that I found, uh, courtesy of Pro Football Reference when I was comparing all these guys, of those eight players, here's a fun trivia fact, only one of them has a QB rating. Who Which one? Alvin Kamara. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, he had one attempt with one completion uh, with a passer rating of 118. <laughs> Who caught the pass? Was it, was it uh, Taysom Hill? I'm not sure. I didn't. That look sounds that like far a Saints thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But fun little, uh, fun little trivia fact. All right, that was the fast break. We think those are the stories you need to know. We're gonna get into now one of my new favorite segments: top five. Everyone's got a top five. Top five places to go eat a sandwich. Top five bars you got to go to. Top five beers you got to drink right now. Lists are everywhere. We like top five. Today we're gonna talk about sports movies. Tim, go ahead and break me off with your top five. So in no particular order, because these are all near and dear to my heart, I could not put any one of them over the other. It'd be like naming my favorite child. Uh, But I got to go Miracle, because how can you not get amped up during that speech? Got to go Rudy. How can you just not get amped up about that movie? Who doesn't love a good underdog story? Uh... If you don't have Sandlot on your list, are are you really, really a sports fan who grew up playing sports? No, probably not. That was my childhood. My childhood growing up, you know, my family never had a ton of money. So we got by playing baseball. We lived in California. You could play year-round. And our local Little League field was the, the equivalent Sandlot. of the Sandlot for us. Yeah. Um, I played was on there teams. A, like a big Cujo dog and a really grumpy neighbor next door? Uh, it was Los Angeles, so there's lots of grumpy people everywhere. <laughs> um, Got to go to the Blind Side. Great movie. Yeah, I know they took some, some some liberties with that movie, but I thought that was a great one. And then sort of the untraditional side, I got to go Moneyball. Um, big baseball fan. It's fun to see, or for me, it was enjoyable to see some of the, the thought process that goes into the – back office side of things um what turned the a's organization around how when you originally looked at what his philosophy was uh it wasn't obviously widely accepted and then it turned out to be how everybody sort of started going forward theo epstein really took that model and kind of ran with it he's had success with the red sox now he's had some success with the cubs um it's really hard to look at that sort of operating model and say that there was no success to it and seeing that the birth of it was it's pretty cool 
Yeah, it worked awesome for the athletics until it didn't. Uh, and it worked <laughs> great for the Browns until it didn't even get off the ground. But yeah, right. I, I think those are some great films. Uh, obviously, I mean, Miracle about the, what's the 1984, uh, you know, hockey team that beat the, you know, the Russians, like that's going to always be yeah. up there. Um, I'm not a big Rudy fan, you know, I mean, Sean Austin, that was great. Uh, it's part of like the Notre Dame, like sports lore. So if you ever yeah. like, if you ever need to sort of figure out if you're in a crowd of like Notre Dame fans, just say Rudy, you'll know pretty quickly <laughs> if you're safe or not. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I got some different films for you here. I think, I'm going to go out and take this just a little bit out, right? Uh, my top five, I actually watched this the other day. Uh, coming in at number five is The Replacements, which came out in 2000, <laughs> which is like Hoosiers, but for football, right? And it's the ultimate, like, kind of dorky good guy gets the girl in the happy ending movie for, like, football. Uh, Gene Hackman is in it, so I don't, maybe there's a Hoosiers crossover there in some weird cinematic universe. Um, I don't think that this film meant that people were worried about in the 2011 lockout that the NFL would go the same way, but... It's a pretty good film. Next, we got to talk about The Mighty Ducks, 1992. What a great film. Uh, Emilio Estevez, a lot of these, these young actors that we grew up just sort of idolizing. Um, I was a huge Anaheim Ducks fan for a long time. Long time. Drawn like the little duck hockey mask everywhere. I, I, I got the merchandise. I had the puffy jacket way back when. Uh, oh, man, what I can get for that now. Uh, <laughs> great film. Great film. Right. I got an unconventional one here. Prefontaine. Pre, right? Steve Prefontaine, Olympic runner, tragically killed in uh, Coos Bay, Oregon in a car accident, really brought uh, U.S. distance running to the forefront. He was very brash, wanted to go against uh, how everyone said, look, you're going to be an amateur athlete. You're not going to get money for it. And he was actually one of the, like, the first athletes that Bill Bowman and Nike like really leapt off on. And I just mm -hmm. think if you if you get to watch it now again, there's some artistic liberties I think taking with that movie, but oh, yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's it's a really good movie whether you're a big runner or not. It's a fantastic film. Hmm. Next, I see you got the skateboards back there. In my in my youth youth days, right, I, I was a big <laughs> skateboarder as well, and that's why yeah right from Girl Skateboards makes it here. Um, they used a green screen for uh, this board that made it disappear, so it looked like there was a whole segment where they were riding on nothing but air. And then they had these ramps that they would make, you know, green screen. So they were doing these crazy tricks. Uh, and, and just if you watch the video, it's like there's a cameo from Luke Wilson in there right after Wedding Crashers. So like it was just like one of those great skateboarding films that it just like it stands the test of time. Like I still go back and watch it many, many times, even though I can no longer even attempt any of those tricks without being sore for like a week and a half. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. even you can't even look at, at sports movies, Tim, and not talk about Rocky Four, right? It's just one of the best. I, I have a, a very unfortunate announcement. Admission, if you will. I don't know if I've ever seen Rocky Four. Oh, my God. This podcast might need to be over. <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah. I don't uh, know how we're going to get on with it. How have you not seen this? What, what is this? I, this is an ambush. I, um, for whatever reason, so I was, I was, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. Uh, never really been a big fan of like 80s, early 90s movies just sort of as a whole. I didn't watch a lot of movies growing up. I was one of those kids that, you know, got grounded for being out too late, way past my, my checking time all the time. So I just didn't watch a lot of TV. So like all of those cult classics, Revenge of the Nerds, Animal House, I've never seen them. I Which just is... don't know what you can't think about 
Stallone going against Ivan Drago to avenge his friend's murder. There's just nothing you can really say about a film with the montages with him working out in like that arguably, right? Like JJ Watt says he works out in a barn in the wintertime. He got that yeah. from Rocky four. Okay. Let's be honest. Uh, when everyone goes to the the city hall in Philadelphia and they run up the steps to do the Rocky stance, like yeah. you got the statue there. Come on, come on. I, Damn, so come I've on. seen Damn. I've seen enough of it to understand all of those references. Like I know him, you know, punching punching in the cold of the garage, doing pull ups while it shows yeah. Drago running through like the high end facility in in yeah, Russia. So I, yeah, I've I've seen it in enough. I could piece together the movie. It just and it's not that I have anything against it. I'd, I'd sit down and watch it now, but just a lot of those movies. I've also never seen the replacements. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, we actually did it as a as a double take there that we watched the replacements in uh, Point Break. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a nice little Keanu Reeves too for there. Uh, well, if you if you pay attention to uh, Rocky Four, six point nine out of ten on IMDb and only forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. So maybe. Maybe, Tim, you're not missing as much as I think you are. Uh, we'll let the listeners decide. All right, fair enough. That was top five. We love top five. We're going to be back in the future with more top fives. Email us your top five at statsdon'tmatter at gmail.com. Tim, you play fantasy football, right? Uh, I, I've been known to dabble uh, been, a little bit. Known. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. as the NFL is moving towards full steam, of course, that means that we're going to play fantasy football in the fall, and I'm really looking forward to it. So that makes me think Thank you, baby right Jesus. Now, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who are you looking most forward to drafting? So I like to shoot from the hip a little bit. I do a couple mock drafts when uh, leading up to it, but um, I play in some pretty aggressive groups who – can get a little sporadic at times um generally they follow the traditional drafting methods but it's not unheard of to see a qb go one if someone's really trying to put the hurt on someone um or there's a lot of blocking that happens in a couple of leagues where they pick just knowing that another player had them on their death chart just to use them for trade bait or something something later so i don't go that deep but if i have to go Top three, I got to go OBJ. Oh, um, I know. Despite all of the the, if you've been listening along, my opinions <laughs> on Baker Mayfield aren't currently the highest. Um, but if he's able to come out motivated and improve a little bit, I think OBJ stands to make some of the biggest improvements. He played through a lot of injuries last year. The last couple of years, he's kind of been banged up. So he's got a little bit of an extended time off with all this extra downtime right now, a little extra motivation going into the season. Um, I think he's poised to return to form if Baker holds up his end of the bargain. Oh, right? yeah. It, so we'll it's see. almost like the Browns are like a Lamborghini, but they've only got a license to drive like a, like a Corvette, right? There, there's so much that goes into driving one of those top-end, well-oiled machines, and you have Juice Landry, you got OBJ there. You have so many pieces that it should just be great right out the gate, but it takes some time to get going. So I do think OBJ is probably going to be one of those deals. I think, you know, if you have, like, a top-three pick and McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey is there at uh, two or three, you can go ahead and just laugh at everyone in the rest of your league because Christian McCaffrey is practically bulletproof at this point. 
He has one of the most healthy floors. There's no real glass ceiling. There are multiple games last year where he scored you 20 plus fantasy points in like, that's going to win your, your season week in and week out. Yep. Now he's getting paired with Teddy Bridgewater, a brand new coach. You think they're going to sling it all over the field? Nope. He's, he's, yep. he's a matchup, like kind of gadget nightmare. So I think he's going to be just as involved. If I got a chance to draft him, I definitely want to draft him. But then of course that makes me think, Tim, you talked about drafting a wide receiver. I'm talking about drafting a running back. Now, if you've heard anything about fantasy sports, the concept of no running back or no wide receiver, you know, mm-hmm. is, is out there. Are you team no RB or? Nah, I've been burned too many times by players who uh, just came out and smoked everybody. Last year, my running core was just decimated. So I tried filling in and it just did, did not work well at all. Especially when you look at running backs like, McCaffrey, he scored 156 more points last season than the next running back, right? Compare that to that is just a point machine. He's definitely a candidate for a little bit of a, of a, of a downgrade going into this season just because the production was crazy last year. 1,300 yards on the ground, 1,000 yards in the air. 1,000 thousand uh, club. And he is a beast. Like most of his yards – came or not most about a third of the yards on the ground came after contact so it's a lot of beat up on the body granted he's a little extended time off like everybody else has can you keep that same level of production this season probably not but i think he could downgrade and still be the best running back in the draft so i actually have him as well so you know May the best man win in our draft this year. <laughs> yeah. Yep, <laughs> um, yep. But one of the things I think that also gets overlooked is that his hands, he has fantastic hands. He's got an 81.7% catch rating last season, um, which is the second highest in the last three seasons. So the man can run, the man can catch the ball. It's really hard to come up with any sort of defensive plan for that which leads me into who my third pick would be and this is where i would go somewhat untraditional and think about picking him in earlier rounds i know everyone says it's qb it's qb don't do it lamar jackson oh you don't think that's you think christian mccaffrey is a candidate for aggression but not lamar no i i think lamar should go very early right because Mm -hmm. he is just as much uh, a running back as he is a quarterback right he he yeah. can throw the ball he can run he's incredibly difficult to uh, go up against i think it, it's if you look at like a brady or rogers i don't think there's any real reason to move up too high to pick up any of those guys i'm especially brady now um his fantasy points have fallen off pretty drastically in the last two years Aaron Rodgers still i think he'll bank on 17 to 22 points per game uh brady's closer to like a 15 um so if you're looking at maybe a, a patrick mahomes or any you know any one of the high profile mobile quarterbacks you may want to consider and you know i know i'm gonna get hate for my lack of fantasy insight um but i he is one of those that i would consider taking in the second or third round if he's on the board because he's going to get you just as much uh, just as many points on the ground as he's going to with his arm uh or or any other way he's facilitating points he's a just a nfl swiss army knife that is really really hard to game plan against uh i had him on my team last year in one of my leagues and i went up against him several times in uh, another league and in the leagues I had him, uh, I won every game where he started. 
uh, and I lost every game I went up against him because he was putting up Godzilla points, 30, 40, yeah, 50 points a game. Type numbers, yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that there's a question to be had there, though. If you know, if you come at the turn at the at the end of the second, early third, and you have a shot at either Mahomes or or Lamar, who are you taking? It sounds like you're going Lamar, but I've got, I got to go Mahomes, right? I mean, yeah. the guy's Super Bowl MVP last year. The team is just adding more and more weapons. The defense is still kind of gelling together in their second year. Mahomes said in the, you know, one of those viral clips a, a few months ago before COVID kind of you know came in that. He just learned how to like really read defenses. This this guy yeah. is just gonna smash next year. Oh yeah. So he's, I think he's gonna be a superstar. Uh, I give Lamar. So my concern about Mahomes, he can sling the ball, and I I I wish he could sort of focus more on the pocket passing side of things and use his feet as a last resort. Um, he suffered a couple injuries last season. A couple of them were in some pretty big moments. Uh, he doesn't have the same size as someone like Lamar. Lamar Jackson is a beast. So I think he's a little bit more susceptible to, to some of those hits. Uh, I don't think he has the same arm as Mahomes does. I think if Mahomes really falls into the and gets comfortable in the pocket, saves those last-minute moves, you know, cuts down on those a little bit. I know they extended some drives. I know they made some plays, but... Living to fight another day is also a good method, and those long bombs get me a lot of points. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, I I would probably lean Lamar just because of his size. Um, I get real nervous about you know some of these little guys scrambling as much as they do because Mahomes is a he's a little guy. What if I told you that they were the same height? Yeah, but what's how what's the weight difference? Oh, I'm, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. Lamar Jackson's <laughs> two hundred twelve pounds, so I'm assuming that Patrick Mahomes it might be a, a few more lbs. I, I think it's a toss other way, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't really go no RB because, as you've already pointed out, it's disastrous if you pick the wrong year, yeah. right? You could have Michael Thomas and um, oh, geez, I, I don't know, like Julio Jones, if you somehow manage to sneak that by your league. But if you have no running backs, like you're gonna be really be in for a hurt there. So I always like to go one running back and one wide receiver. And then at the third, I say, Hey, if a guy like Kelsey or Gronkowski was there, right. Then I, I go ahead and maybe take a shot at that. Um, but usually I got a kind of good quarterback earlier than most other people do. Like, you know, third, sometimes fourth round. Uh, I'm in a family league where they all take Patriots players like first. Mm. So like Tom Brady, like always goes good. like in the top five picks, like, thank you. <laughs> Hope, yeah. Hopefully they're not listening to this. And this year, if you want to take Tom Brady, he's a buck. So go ahead. Yeah. That's fine. I think, uh, I think this season of any seasons, uh, that's probably going to work out the most in your favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which pains me to say. I'm actually laughing, but I'm crying inside a little bit. Oh, it's going to be so great. Yeah. yeah. Don't act like you're not going to watch any more of those. All right. That is what we call our brand new segment about fantasy sports called the Keeper League. Uh, we talk about which players we're looking most forward to drafting. Lots more to come. Of course, Tim, now we're going to get into the big ticket, which is one of these big stories that we like to talk about uh, week in and week out. Coming off of last episode, obviously we thought statements were made. The NFL was going to react. The rest of the sports world was going to react. And I don't think that we saw it going the way that it did. Uh, no. So it, we had had this conversation, I think, a couple of weeks ago where we talked about, like, with this, 
with the protests and everything that have been going on, like what does this talk to us about the future of peaceful dissent and protest in sports? And I think after the NFL kind of botched uh, their statement, yeah. after the players made their video, um, you got college coaches that are kind of coming up on the hot seat as well. There, there's yeah. just so much that we kind of really can't ignore it. So I, I think one of the cold realities that we've discussed many times um, is that freedom of speech is not freedom from consequence, right? And, right. And a lot of people believe, look, I freedom of speech, I get it. It's a right. And a lot of people take it for granted. But when you play for a team, there's a line that you, that you kind of have to play a little bit with and then you can't really cross. So if yeah. you are on the Dallas Cowboys, for example, and Jerry Jones says that any player decides to kneel for the anthem is going to get benched or you know something like that, and you have other teams that are much more player friendly, there's difference, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but to see the NFL like reverse its tone on peaceful protest and say that it now realized there's an issue after the Brandon Minter like video yeah. where he got the athletes on Zoom and the Drew Brees thing blew up, like the fact that the league was even still discussing about like what they're what kind of messaging yeah. they were thinking about putting out, you know, just kind of tells me that like cool. Like the like the CrossFit CEO, you went ahead and made a statement. Yep. And this time you're saying, listen, we had Papa John's and the president in 2016. We didn't we didn't we weren't on the right side of that one, but we're gonna go ahead and side with the players this time. But you're really not. And it's like no. it's threadbare. Like you got Nate Boyer who continues to go out there. And there are people on social media that are like, Oh, I didn't know a Green Beret told Kaepernick he could kneel. And you're like, Okay. Yeah. We're we're gonna need some serious time to educate here. It's it, unbelievable. Yeah, it's it, it's a weird it's a weird thing to see an organization like the NFL, the money they have, the audience they have, the reach they have, and the employee structure that they have. A lot of their employees are from a lot of different backgrounds and to come out and continue to kind of botch this, I think coming out and saying we were wrong was a huge step in the right direction, but I think you you, you kind of got to go a little further or you got to shut up. There's no middle yep. ground. You can't yep. come out and half-ass an apology and hope that it makes up for any wrongdoings that led up to that. Um, you could have arguments as to, you know, whether or not Kaepernick and his position was, you know, impacted by it before the protest. I've seen a lot of, you know, the only way to make it right is to give him his job back. That's another conversation we'll get into in a minute. Uh, but I think for me, you got to come out and personally apologize to him and say, admit that maybe, maybe he wasn't blackballed, but maybe the pressure was inadvertently there to not hire him out of fear of some sort of repercussion or fear of some sort of negative blowback because you brought him on. Did Goodell go around and tell everybody, hey, if you hire him, you're going to be penalized in some fashion? Probably not. Um, But there was so much focus on what was happening. The focus then moved away from his actions as a player and how he tried to come up with a way that fit everybody's expectations respectfully. You can argue that they weren't respectful, but you'd be wrong because he did go every, he took every avenue he could to find a way to still do it and still show some form of respect by bringing in a former military uh, serviceman and asking him the best way to do it. And 
you know, we have this very romanticized vision of the military. We keep them up to very deservedly on a, a pedestal above everybody else because of the sacrifices they're making, because of the, the, the day in and day out of their life and the risks that they take. They deserve a lot of credit that's there. But it seems to overshadow circumstances that don't fit a particular narrative, right? So when you ask someone, hey, I feel slighted by... The U.S., I feel like I'm not being treated properly. I would like to speak out against this. I'm getting backlash because people say this isn't respectful. I'm open to whatever your suggestions are. Okay, this is your suggestion. Cool, that's it. Now, if you go online and you read through the cesspool that is Twitter, people are even starting to turn against service members who are saying that, you know what, I served so that he had that right. So it's become this sort of weird black hole where no matter who stands up for him uh the reasonings they the the very valid reasons they give to support his protest just get sucked into this vacuum of oh it's all it's all a sham this is all disrespectful you have to stand or nothing and it's i think that moves were made too little too late they need to do more and i think if they can continue to follow this up, do I think he should be a quarterback? No, I, I, you know, he had some decent seasons, but he he did lose his job. I know he was he lost his job because of injury. He's been out of the league. I would like to see them extend him an offer for NFL like front office positions or bring him in as like a, a liaison between the players, the the players union, and the league. Someone who can look at equality throughout the NFL who can help bring the NFL power into communities to help leverage some of their money, some of their influence and kind of take it from there. I think that in itself would say more than, Hey, why don't you come be a quarterback in our league? I think it falls a little short to say, Hey, we'll pay you to play some football. Cause then what happens if he comes in and has a bad season? Right. I mean, I, I, I guess that's, that's that's the the low risk low reward for the NFL, right? Um, you, you a team signs him, maybe he's a backup quarterback, maybe he beats out a guy uh, in camp, and and then he goes seven and nine. You at least allow him to control his narrative rather than mm-hmm. it's been checked off. You can't go any further. Here's your glass ceiling. Uh, yeah. the, the way that the NFL has just kind of looked at that to me, I, I just think needs some serious serious redux. Um, but of course, not even after. Goodell had his statement. We also had a gaffe by Drew Brees in which he was on an interview with Yahoo Finance, and I'm not really sure why Yahoo Finance is now the trusted voice of sports in America, but you know, he was on an interview with them, and he said that he would never you know, change his stance on people disrespecting the flag. And then, of course, yeah. once that went live, I mean, players on his own team, Ooh. Hall of Fame players, I mean, the backlash was immediate. Now, he's apologized like two or three times. The president also picked up his message and said, you know, I, I used to like Drew Brees a lot. I don't think he should have, you know, changed his stance on it. Like, you know, respect the flag, no kneeling in capital, like letters. Just, oh my goodness. Like Drew, again, you know, I, I think when players get to a certain level, um, it's it's about messaging and it's also about what you believe, right? So I don't, I don't want to hear you just spout off you telling me that black lives matter or we're here yep. for you during COVID-19. I, w- I want some, some sustenance behind it. You're, you're the quarterback. You're the face of an NFL franchise yep. in a historically important place 
right, for that culture. And everything you did for Katrina, it's not been wiped away, but Mm -hmm. you just – you threw a stain on it for no reason. And I I get people having having their stance on it, right? And Bree said – well, you know, my grandparents, you know, you know, my grandfather's like fought in the wars and everything. And, and Tim, I know you, you have some vets in your family. I'm a vet as well. I know a lot of vets. Uh, and I think that you can take whatever stance you sort of want on it as, as a citizen. But again, freedom of speech, you don't have to necessarily agree with it because it doesn't necessarily guarantee that someone's free from consequence. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate when people go out and they, and they speak their part. Um, do I like seeing a flag on fire? No. But at the same time, like, I'm not the one who decides to use that as my freedom of speech, right? Uh, it's, it's a very, very tough situation to be in, mm-hmm. but we have the freedoms that we do in this country to say those things. And I think Breeze learned a lesson here, but uh, it's not a good look for him. Yeah. And I think to be fair, as much as we have on one side, um, you know, everyone who holds everyone who kneels accountable for, you know, some form of, injustice and disrespect you tend to have the same thing on the other side and anytime someone comes out and supports the idea of of requiring to stand for the flag even i think those those statements and those gets burned in your memory and Mm -hmm. i think when we look at his legacy there's going to be a large portion of the population who's never going to look past the you know the apologies and the it was just so tone deaf like yeah. if you you should have taken that question even if you think free speech i should be able to say whatever i want there's a time and a place that should definitely have been one of those scenarios where you either sidestepped the question deflected the question how it even got to that point is crazy when you're talking finance um, but it was such a it was such a just bad look right like if if, if you want to come out and say, you know, if we're trying to be fair, if you want to come out and say that kneeling is not disrespectful and that's your opinion and your view, we have to then respect the opinion and view of someone who says, I feel like you have to stand. Whether they're right or wrong, you have to hear them out because, again, it's their freedom to say it. But the timing in which you said it, the insensitivity around it, I think when people look back 10, 15 years from now and see what's going on, they're like, oh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was that semi-racist quarterback. It, it's going to be sort of the frame that he's now looked in going forward. There are plenty of people who are like, you know what? Yeah, he owned up to it. He said what he said. As long as there's some action that follows it, great. But if, if there was out- a Seth Wickersham article that came out like this year and the Saints yeah. don't make the Super Bowl again after having yeah. one of the top teams, you don't think this is going to be the, the byline? You don't think this is going to be in there? There's no way that it couldn't be. Yeah, I think that there, there's probably a lot of really – fractured relationships on that team right now as there should be and i think that when you're the face of a franchise you've really gotta you you really have to be more ingrained and more in tune and if that means that your thinking has to change about something then it shouldn't take something like this from the outside to spur that change yep which is why if you notice i didn't have any saints in my top three oh no even though though camara was there michael thomas was there both of those guys would make some some solid candidates, but I think there's just too much going into that season. I think the irony in all this is the fact that he was considering retiring prior to the season. I know ESPN was attempting to bring him in, and there were some rumors that he was going to go to to Fox or NBC or 
or somewhere and accept the contract as a broadcaster. Um, makes you kind of wonder if he's looking back at that decision now, thinking he maybe made the wrong decision. But, <laughs> Although, but I mean, if he he would have been fired, I think, had he gone on and said those as a broadcaster instead of a, well. No, he probably yeah. would have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah, would yeah. have. Yeah. They get a cut bait, right? But it's interesting that you say that, that Breeze could have been a commentator because if we're talking about giving Kaepernick a, a front office job or a liaison, like, why can't Kaepernick be a coordinator? Why can't Kaepernick be a, a commentator? Why can't Kaepernick have any of these positions, you know? And, and I think that yep. the NFL, like, you have to you have to ask yourself the question, is it are they changing their tune because they actually see the error of their ways in 2016? Or... Mm-hmm. Is it the fact that they know that they're not going to be able to stop hundreds of players from advocating for the same peaceful dissent this fall? Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson said, you, you, you think you had an issue with one person kneeling, like we're all going to kneel together now. And yep. to be honest, maybe the NFL, I'm not saying this, but if I had to put my little tin cap on for a second, they would think, well, let's say the election goes one way in November. We don't have to worry about taking heat from the current president anymore. But if it mm-hmm. does go the other way, who do we want more heat from? We want more heat from the owners and the players, or do we want heat from someone in Virginia or in DC? Right. So mm-hmm. I, I really don't think that. Again, when they brought Jay Z on a couple, you know, what was was it this past year? And he yep. said we're past kneeling. That that take did not age well because we are not past kneeling. Um, no. And I, I think that what we're going to see this fall is going to be. A demonstration, of course, yeah. and whether or not the NFL televises it, it's still going to happen, right? And I, yeah. and I think a lot of people tend to forget that they didn't really televise the anthem until like 2008, 2009. So mm-hmm. it's like it's something that happened. But, of course, we talked about it before when people, you know, go to the bathroom or go get a hot dog and a beer during the playing of the national anthem. Like, okay, I, I can only hear what you're saying about how someone else should protest so much when you're not really doing what you preach. Yeah. And like every time you see a picture of Kaepernick kneeling or any of his uh, teammates kneeling or anybody kneeling from any team about five feet away is about eight cameramen and photographers who are doing, guess what? Not only are they taking a knee, but their back is turned to the flag. So like, if we're really going to be up in arms, you got, it's, it's an all or nothing. You can't pick or choose because their converse, their narrative doesn't fit your narrative. It's right is what it is yeah and don't be a jerk as, I, I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> and as we talk about how the nfl has you know going through this own i'm not going to say fiasco because we're not there yet and i think the nfl will handle it much better this time than it did before mm-hmm. but um the u.s soccer federation called a special meeting today to discuss repealing the 2017 rule that required national team players to stand for the anthem after megan rapino uh knelt to support colin kaepernick so you're beginning to see some other sports leagues that are saying, all right, that was 2016. We think we're, we're past this now. Like we don't need to worry about whatever Twitter heat we take, you know, from the comments on YouTube videos or anything. We're not worried about that. So we're going to have an actual Frank discussion, but then again, you have to take a look at the U S soccer federation. They've been taking a lot of losses lately as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I want to believe that all these sports, organizations are really involved for trying to be about betterment and change. Right. But you have to take a, like a holistic look at everything. Um, the major league baseball, for example, they don't have an explicit rule in place. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, God bless America. And the anthem is like in hockey, right. It's just like, or Oh Canada, right. There are just things that everyone sort of does. Now 
the NBA and the WNBA has a rule that players have to stand in a dignified manner along the sidelines or the foul line. That's it. And is there protests that you see in the NBA? Yes. But as we talked about on the previous pod, the NBA also allows their players to have a, a much more vocal part mm-hmm. in their league. Right. And they'll say, listen, we'll allow you to open the game. You can have your stance about black lives matter and, and you can have your peaceful protest, or you can wear your shirts inside out and throw them in a pile, right. With the Donald Sterling thing. But we're going to ask you to stand and mm-hmm. whether or not the players sort of all come to a consensus on that, like everyone does it. So if it works for the NBA, you can't tell me that it can't work in the NFL. Um, and since 2018, the NFL has had a rule that kind of bans protesting in any sort of form anyways, that mm-hmm. it says you have to stand on the field and show respect for the flag and the anthem, or you have to stay in the locker room. And if you stay in the locker room, you get just as much flack as you saw last year. Yeah. Yeah. Clubs can be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand or show respect. And each club can develop its own work rules consistent with, you know, the principles in the rule. And the commissioner can oppose appropriate discipline on league personnel who don't stand and show respect. Like, Roger, don't tell me that uh, you believe, you know, that police brutality and Black Lives Matter is a thing when you didn't mention Kaepernick in your video at all. You didn't apologize. And you're just kind of tone deaf on this rule. Like, my money is on the NFL ultimately changing the rules because now that they've prevented the future lockout, right? They're in a new collective bargaining agreement. You know, the players union and them, there's some symphony that needs to happen. They kind of need to repair that broken relationship. This is the first place to do it. And they should have been doing this all along. And you just have to ask, let's say that video with the players came out where they said, you know, Black Lives Matter, the NFL needs to stop being silent about this. What if mm-hmm. I was, you know, George Floyd? What if I was Breonna Taylor? Mm-hmm. What if I was Ahmaud Arbery, right? If that video doesn't get made, mm-hmm. does the NFL even say anything? I don't think so. Like, a lot of it reeks, like, deep down you hope, you know, there's there's good intent behind everything that everybody's doing right now. You can't help feel like they're still in PR identity repair mode from the last few years and they are dead center in the cross eyes right now for a lot of this rage uh because of the way they treated the start of this when Mm -hmm. kaepernick first started kneeling and then throughout the last few seasons when they sort of stood by their guns being nope nope we were right he was wrong um it definitely reeks of PR damage control. My favorite part about that video, by the way, is they all said, we are the NFL, Black Lives Matter, because they're 100% correct. They are the NFL. It doesn't, Roger Goodell's overseeing it. He's signing checks and dispersing money. But without those players, there is no NFL. And I think what you're going to start seeing, you know, MM, the MLB has been sort of, quiet for the last few years you've had you know some forms of protest with people kneeling or or, you know depicting sayings and 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 pictures on attire and things like that but for the most part they kind of kept to their own the nba being the complete opposite where they were given almost free reign to do whatever within certain constraints i can see the nba being so forward thinking they just take the reins off altogether and say however collectively you see this is going to deliver the message, then let's all just do it together. Whether it yeah. be, I, I'm for just everybody across the board staying in the locker room for the national anthem. Then, one, 
it's not forcing players to have to choose because you're going to have pressure from maybe some folks that have military family but want to support their colleagues you have you know someone like drew Brees who sees the flag for what it is but also seemingly and he this is based off of nothing but more than his apology i don't know him any any more than that but seems to want to support his teammates kind of towing the line in the middle and that went very very poorly i think they should give players the ability to voice their opinions understanding that their opinions aren't the opinions of the nfl their opinions of the individual players or the collective groups of players um let them go nuts keep keep silencing them keep set any kind of rule to help or to that you put in place to to stop players from you know speaking out or anything uh just not gonna i don't think it's gonna go well i don't think it's gonna yeah, go well at all not at all and it's not like they've had you know four years to sort of figure out what they could do with this scenario or four years to actually have these types of conversations with with their players it almost just seems to be like they're thinking listen we'll give concessions right and yeah. again you could say that the it's not like the nfl is going to go out and just go ahead and take a whole bunch of canadian football or xfl players and just replace them right like if we're going back to the replacements from our top five earlier that that's not going to happen right but yeah. at the same time there's not a one size fits all approach for this and i think you brought up a really good point earlier which that the flag has really sort of just been co-opted for a lot of different reasons in all this and mm -hmm. It's it's a slippery slope when people say, you know, I was this in the military or my family served in the military. Therefore, you know what I mean? My yep. take is the take, you, you know, like that's the great thing we have in America, that there's so much um, difference and we're, we celebrate that difference. And quite frankly, the NFL is one of the most powerful entities in the United States as far as sports go. Um, yep. The president can tweet all day long, but. Goodell is going to do what's in the best interest of 32 owners yeah. and those 253 draft picks every year and whoever's on the active roster. So yeah, maybe it helped you, but then you had the Papa John's fiasco. Mm -hmm. You got this now. And Oh, by the way, like someone made a video because you weren't even going to say something like you were on yeah. the fence about it. It's not like Goodell could fire the guy because then that'd be an even bigger PR nightmare. Ugh. So it's like the NFL needs to take a hard look at itself in the mirror and say, listen, we have one of the most racially uh, diverse groups. And we mm -hmm. have a product that we know is going to bring in billions of dollars of revenue every yep. year. It's not necessarily about what's best for the stakeholders at the end of the day. It's what's best for the game. Mm -hmm. If the NFL wants to be the America's pastime, because we can say Major League Baseball has sort of been slipping a little bit over the past few years. Mm -hmm. If the NFL wants to go ahead and, and land that knockout punch, they should have done this years ago. And yeah. this is a good is a good start, but... If we're talking about leaving port in a boat, what Goodell just did was like flex seal a boat together. And he's like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. He's the guy in the, uh, the, the clear see-through boat trying to tell you how everything's, yeah. everything, everything is, is been mended fine. Everything's great. The, the last point I'm going to, or the last thing I'm going to mention or, or discuss, I'm curious to see after November, say the election goes in, president trump's favor and he wins he's no longer because now it seems very much like he's using the kneel don't kneel as sort of a a, a campaign slogan it yep. seems very much playing into a demographic i'm very curious to see 
should he win if that conversation then quickly falls off and in turn stops propagating throughout his general audience if he's if he sort of falls off and if he ever comes out and says so you know what that that was probably right yeah, I don't Politician, think yeah, politicians yeah. flip-flop all the time um some of it you got to play into your constituents and it seems there may be some of that playing into him versus the nfl side of things and then when that happens it tends to just continue to perpetuate um i'd be curious to see come november if that changes or his stance changes on that at all um and what that may what that may mean going in i mean if there's no longer pressure from the government or from the president to change your stance if that kind of opens up your freedoms to look beyond that but yeah i mean this, is, this isn't you know 1998 or or 2004 2005 like this is the year 2020 where players don't allow you to just say oh tim you know he rushed for a thousand yards a couple seasons but he was injured he was he's a bust no because tim has his own following. He has his own brand that he's been cultivating since he, you know, was mm-hmm. a, a three-star recruit out of uh, Connecticut to, to go to one of those D1 schools. So yep. you you can't necessarily silence and just sort of sweep away. And it's just blasphemy to me that, that that's what this, one of the biggest sports leagues in America is trying to do. So yeah. they're going to get what they pay for in the end, for sure. Yep. So we're going to wrap up now with obviously probably our, second favorite part of the show and i'm winking while i say that it's called uh parting cheers what's in my cup tim and i big craft beer fans we're gonna go ahead and tell you about some of the beers we're drinking hopefully you can find some near you tim what are you drinking this week i am drinking some initiation of the catacomb from electric brewing out in california um salad salad beer it's a three-time dry hopped double ipa sounds a little bit like a triple ipa but it's not um solid solid beer very citrusy standard new england style ipa um comes in a little high at 8.5 but it is super smooth uh very delicious uh and is probably one of my favorites out of california i would put them up there maybe even a notch above other half uh a little harder to get but i haven't had anything from them i didn't like and keep in mind too if you're listening to this go out support your local brewery go buy cans they're selling them to go right now we know a lot of states are beginning to open back up so go ahead and support them mm-hmm. if you have any extras um we know yeah, where you can, we, yep. we know where your empty collectibles can go <laughs> for sure i'm drinking lawn games by outer range brewing co out of frisco california uh outer range was a brewery i'd heard about uh, from a friend of mine that lives uh, in Denver. And they said, listen, if you ever come out here and you visit, you have to go to Frisco uh, and you need to go to Outer Range. It's our favorite brewery in all Colorado. And that, those are pretty tough words to sort of like fail on, right? Like you, that's got to be able to be backed up. So we actually, you know, a couple of years ago, we drove up to Frisco from Denver and you're at like 9,000 feet. Like the altitude is already a lot when you land in Denver, but to go another 4,000 feet plus, like it's pretty crazy. And this brewery is in this basin that's just surrounded by mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, two former uh, Army veterans, husband and wife brewing team, and they just put out amazing IPAs in Belgians, which on its face is like 
two styles that you wouldn't expect to go together. They're so good. Uh, so you're in chance getting into stuff. Out of range really good, so cheers, man. see it but here it is the return to glory 